Hi, I'm Stephen. This is Mick. And today we're going to be talking about governance. Before we begin, though, we just want to say that this is only a discussion. There are no right or wrong answers. These are just our thoughts and opinions, which can and will change. Neither of us are experts on anything. We are just two dudes talking. So Mick, governance is a pretty broad topic. And we're going to be looking at it in terms of uh, local and global. But first, I want to kind of define these terms and get an understanding so that we know we're kind of on the same page about what we're talking about. So let's let's go with governance first. I'll read the dictionary definition of it and then we'll maybe talk about because usually I look at the dictionary definition and I'm like it's it's close to what we were talking about but a little bit off. So I think it's a good starting point and then we can describe, okay, what do we actually mean when we say it? So governance by the dictionary is the act or process of governing or overseeing the control and direction of something such as a country or an organization, which is pretty close to how I picture it. I see governance and specifically in how we're going to talk about it as the source of decisions, where decisions are made, where control is is dictated from. So yeah, is that kind of how you see governance and specifically for how we're going to talk about it? Yeah, so I mean, it's always brought up, I guess, in uh, from a perspective of a group of people. But even if you think about yourself, self governance, I guess for me, it's kind of like a a a guiding set of principles that help you get to get a desired outcome that you need to try and adhere to. So whether that be at a at a like a large, you know, a, a, a global level, or whether that be just to yourself, I think that's the general sort of idea that I get when I hear of governance is okay here's a set of guiding principles or here's a set of rules that have helped get a desired outcome in the past so it helps to adhere to them to try and have some discipline to them in order to get the same outcome in the future Um, and so that process is whether that be collectively or by yourself I I go back to by yourself is that you try and self-govern yourself against those principles in order to get that desired outcome, even if in the moment you um, have a desire to, to not do that. So do you see it more as the result, the actual rule set that we operate, operate by and not necessarily where that decision is made? Like, for example, when I'm talking about it, like you said, we generally think about it in terms of human, but I'm not even, I don't even think about it from that perspective, I just think about it. Imagine the human, a single individual human and controlling our body, like the control of the body usually comes from the brain and the nervous system. And so that dictates, that comes up with, okay, this is how I'm going to move. This is how I'm going to use the body. Or what's what's another example we could give that's not human? Um, so I think there's like... Uh I'm trying to remember exactly what it's useful, but there's like a governor. There's actually a governor on like lawnmowers and, and you know, motors and things like that, which actually help control, I think it's the acceleration or the, yeah, I think it's the acceleration or speed of the of the motor itself. I think it's speed actually, um, someone could correct me. But yeah, so, and that's help that governor, uh, the motor obviously does what it needs to do, but that governor then keeps that motor in check in order to, constrain it to some kind of limits in order to get a desired outcome of obviously um, not over, you know, having a speed over where it should be or acceleration, I, f- I forget. But, yeah, so I guess from a physical object point of view, it, it's doing the same thing. It's it's something there that helps control an outcome that's been predetermined 
and I guess that predetermined is off um, some experience or some kind of past situation which um, has already been through and got a desired outcome. So I sort of see it as the act. Governing is the act. It's that how do you um, have some control over something in order to get a desired outcome so that in the moment um, uh, the decisions are well-defined and not um, not something where you go off on different areas. So you've got a well-defined sort of set of principles or guides that you go to. So it's sort of the act of adhering to that, I guess. Yeah, okay. I think I'm still a little bit confused on how you see it. Let me try another uh, example. So when I'm talking about it, I'm talking about there's something that's coming up with how to act, which is the controller. And then there's something that is performing the action, which is what I'm going to call the controlled. Now they can be separate or they can be the same thing. Like it could be in that motor, uh, what was the lawnmower example? You said there, there's a separate aspect of the lawnmower or separate component of the lawnmower that tells the other components how to act, but it could be each individual component decides for itself. This is how I'm going to act. This is how much I'm going to, how much petrol I'm going to release into the engine, into the cylinders or whatever. Yeah. So that to me is kind of how I try and simplify it in my mind is there's a source of control, which is what is, is I'm, I'm saying is the governance. And then there is something that is performing, executing an action that is dictated by whatever is controlling. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's probably a good way to separate the two. I see it as the process of those two working together. Yeah, so the process of governance is the process of a controller and the person, well, not person, and the thing being controlled is the process of them two sort of synchronising, I guess. Um, whereas the if I was to think about what the controller does, there's a list of um, requirements that it provides for you to follow. So uh, if I was just to look at that, it feels like that, that separating out, uh, I think, part of the process that's important. So it takes two to two things to, to happen here and one needs to follow the other, um, I guess, is the governance part. So like if I think of a really simple example, if I want to, let's say I want to get fit, I need to go to the gym. There's certain things I need to do at the gym to help me get fit. Uh, the process of me adhering to that, that structure and getting fit is me having some governance over that situation. So, yeah. I, I don't know if that lines well with the term, but, yeah, that's kind of the way I see it. It's, it's the process. No, that's all right. I think we can move on to the next thing. I think throughout the conversation it will kind of clear up. This is how I see it. I mean, this is how it usually goes is that we come at it from two different perspectives and we both struggle to really put into words exactly what we mean by it. And then throughout the conversation, like, there'll be certain things that we say that the other person will pick up on and go, oh, is this what you meant by that? And then that'll kind of clear it up in our minds. So I don't think we have to fully define anything right now. We just have to, you know, kind of, it's just getting a bit of an idea. Uh, all right. So if we're happy with that, let's move on to what we mean by local and global. And again, this is just in general terms. This isn't necessarily in relation to what we mean by governance. But when we say local and global, Maybe I'll let you do this because you had a good explanation of it before, how it was kind of, yeah, shows you the range of something. Yeah, so I'll start from that generic point and maybe I can put uh, something as a bit of a tangible example to it. So the way I said it, so the local and global sort of 
uh, tied to the word of governance is that they're both ideals to uh, communicate a range or a spectrum in which you reside in. So I don't think either one are completely achievable. So I don't think there's any situation where you just completely have local control over something or any situation where you have complete global control of a situation. There's this spectrum in between and I guess it's depending on whereabouts in that spectrum you actually are. And I think each of the uh, controls, like if you look at this, to me it's like a scope and if you look at the scope, uh, a local scope and a, a global scope have different benefits and I guess you would use them in, in different situations. Um, and then I guess thinking about that, how does that tie to, to individuals? So I think like local control is something that you have a, an ability to um, have input into how something is being controlled. So um, I see that as going down to more the local side where you actually have an input to those controls um, that are going to be applied and then you're able to, to uh, obviously... Uh, follow that process whereas global i think you start to lose that ability to have any input into the controls that you need to follow um so it's sort of this separation about and i guess i'm looking at from an individual but you can sort of think of that um maybe that governor like the the motor we were talking about before if you see the motor as being local and then you're seeing this governor which is an external component i would say that the governor is kind of like that global control it doesn't actually need to um, uh, basically communicate with the motor itself in order to have some control over the motor. Um, and the motor doesn't actually have any input to that. So um, it's just basically monitoring the motor and then adjusting itself accordingly. Um, so it's kind of this separation between, I guess, if you broke it up before, you had the, the, the thing being controlled and the controller. So to me, local, as we go down the local end the thing being controlled has input and as we go to the global end, the thing uh, starts to lose that input over its controls. Yeah, the way I think about it is in terms of distance or yeah, distance between what is controlling and what is being controlled. Now, there is that is a limited way to look at it and I'll explain what I mean by that a bit later on but just to stick with this for now, yeah, how far from the decision-making process is the thing that has to actually act on the decision-making process. So if we want to look, talk about local and global, it would be that, uh, and again, this is completely subjective and very loose. It'd be the thing that is being controlled, the thing that is performing the action is very close to the thing that is making the decision. So for a human being, it would be we ourselves are the ones making the decision about how we act versus someone else is telling us how to act they are separate to us they are at a distance from us that would be global control if someone else was telling us how to do something rather than we are coming up with a decision about what we want to do and then performing that action ourselves yeah okay so it's a, i think it's a, uh, quite similar in the way we see it but we've got different ways that we kind of uh, relate or describe it i guess so that distance to me is kind of similar to what i was suggesting is that as the, the controller has less input to its controls, uh, it's similar to what your – the distance is, is increasing. So, so – Say that again, but in a, kind of rephrase it if you can because I think I'm sort of getting where you're coming from. Yeah, so you, you describe that uh, there's a distance between the controller and controlee. Um, so when you describe that distance and I think you described that it has less – what was it? A less 
control. I, I called it less control over its outcomes, but you said something a little bit different. Um, I forget the term that you use, but in any case, you you call the distance away from the, the further that uh, the person the thing being controlled is from its um, ability to make decisions. Uh, the further away from local control it becomes, and the more global it becomes. So it's similar in the concept that um, I'm seeing that same separation. So as the controlled piece has less input, which is the decision making, um, it is further away from its own local control to a point where it doesn't actually have any input, and then that would be considered down right down the extreme end of the, I guess, the um, global control of the situation. Yeah, it, yeah. It sounds like we are talking about the same thing. We're just using different languages and and approaching it from different perspectives, which is completely fine. Yeah, when I say distance, it's not necessarily physical distance. It's yeah, how how much? Again, you you probably actually had it more accurately in the way you were phrasing it. Then it's how much input the thing that is being controlled or the thing that is performing the actions has over what it is doing and what actions it's doing. It is um, yeah performing. The other thing that I like to keep in mind is that and to separate local and global is the awareness or understanding of, again, what is doing the decision-making and what is performing the action or is being controlled. So does the thing, how much awareness does the thing have about the strengths and weaknesses of that which is performing the action, uh, the limitations of that, or the even the desires of the person being controlled? So let's just, I was trying to keep it general so that we didn't get into the trap of like like we kind of, remove the motions a little bit but it's a little bit difficult to talk about it when you do talk about it generally so how about we just stick to human beings so for example think about local control would be an individual human being coming up making their own decisions performing their own actions global control in terms of human beings would be someone else dictating how someone acts and what they do is that fair you agree with that yeah correct yeah okay so yeah when i'm saying that in global control or the difference between local and global here would be how much understanding do you have about the individual human being that he's having to perform the actions? Do you understand that person's strengths? Do you understand that person's weaknesses? Do you understand the limitations of what that person is capable of doing? Do you understand or even care about what the desires and wants of that human being are? So a really good example for this, ask me to paint a photorealistic landscape. Good luck. Like, do you want a good outcome or not? You're probably going about it the wrong way if you're going to ask me to do that. So, yeah, does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think that makes sense. It, it's something I actually didn't think about is so what you're taking into account is the amount of knowledge each thing has about the other, I guess. So it's a really good point because I guess some global decisions are made because the local, uh, the where, where the thing being controlled is, it doesn't have the knowledge in order to possibly make its own decision at that point. So you think about a kid. A kid's always controlled by its parent, yeah? And so at, in the early stages, the kid is probably at great risk to, to harm itself. So what you do is because you have that knowledge and the kid doesn't, you actually help make decisions for the kid um, to, to keep it safe. And so uh, that kid doesn't actually have input into that because it's, un, it, it's not at a competent level to do so. And I guess vice versa, I think the other thing that you were saying, so that's on that that side of having that sort of self-control or that local control. And then the vice versa was also important and true is that 
if you're making global decisions, if you are the parent in that situation, are you taking the person that you're trying to control into account all their desires, wants? Are you respecting that they're an individual human or are you uh, sort of making a mockery of them, I guess? Uh, not, not a mockery, but um, maybe you're underestimating uh, their capabilities or, or something along those lines. Um, so, yeah, I think that's actually something I hadn't thought about that's very important, in, in particularly when we're talking about humans or living things, I guess. I think the parent-child relationship is a great example just to look at in terms of you want to start off with kind of global control. So the parent has pretty much complete decision-making over the child. But then as the child grows, it kind of goes like from global to local. You want to give more and more decision-making, more and more control to the child. And so, yeah, understanding that balance. And this is where it's important when you're talking about global, but also from local perspective let's look at the global perspective first so the parent you want them to understand enough about the child like they could be trying to get the child to do something that the child is incapable of doing and so that's kind of a bad situation and that's when you want to give more control to the child more localized control there so like you could ask them do you want to you know go and play on the playgrounds do you want to go and go down the slide or whatever because the child may not be comfortable with that but if you just tell the child go down the slide go on the swings go do this you know, you kind of, it depends what your outcome is. If your outcome is just to control the child, if your desire is just to control the child and get them away from you and get them distracted, whatever that may work. But if your desire is to bring happiness to the child or, you know, help them grow, learn and develop, then you need to take these things into consideration. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's this, uh, I guess it's also like that balance of free will versus the, the, setting of expectations or uh, that's probably the uh, lack of a better word, but sort of like I guess what you're trying to do is set expectations for the child so the child uh, understands how to maybe keep itself safe or to respect others and all the rest of it, but then having the free will to make the decisions to get to that, uh, those, I guess, expectations to certain points. I mean, expectations is even hard because, you know, how do you actually um, – keep free will and then set a set of expectations. That's a, that's a tricky one. And I guess uh, we all are part of that, uh, that bit of mess of how would, how do we live with each other? Um, so as that kid grows up, uh, the parent's going to take less control over the kid and give them more responsibilities and more freedoms. Uh, but then that kid goes into the world itself and, and a bigger social structure than just their family. And then they have to sort of integrate into that, this balance of having uh, f enough free will to be able to follow their desires, but then not so much that uh, their free will can then impact other people's free wills around them, I guess. So it's this uh, agreement about expectations, I guess, is where some of that global sort of um, uh, governing is, is important, I guess. I hope that as the child grows up, the parent is giving them more <laughs> freedom, more control. But sometimes we don't see it and that comes down to again what is the expectations what is the desire of the two parties here what is the desire of the adult is the desire to have this being that they control that they can do with what they want or is the desire to bring up this individual free agent that can go out and act around the world based on their own desires and wants and, and opinions and so yeah that's where it comes to when we talk about at a broader scale in terms of like 
society, uh, communities, civilization. What is it we're trying to achieve? Is it is it what some individual or some small group of people want to achieve, or is it what each individual uh, wants themselves, their wants, their desires? Yeah, I guess what you I when I hear what you're saying there, I guess uh, the first kind of feeling is that the intent of the governing body, whatever that is, the intent has the best interest of those that it governs. So, you know, um, and that's a really hard thing to actually determine. Um, so what you're sort of saying there is like, is the individual controlling wanting to get a pers- some kind of personal gain or some kind of gain to them? And that's why they're controlling and uh, providing governance and control over a situation to to get an advantage, or is it an intent for a for a, a, a desirable collective outcome that it's that they're that they're trying to achieve? And so it's really down to the intent of the person or the people, the governing body, whatever the governing body is. It's really down to intent. Why why are they setting these these um, principles or, or guides or, or rules or whatever uh, we, we decide to determine. Uh, that intent is, is critically important, I think. Mm, and do we agree on them? So if we have some institute, some government that is trying to tell us how to act, how to behave, no, not even that, sorry. They have some kind of direction, something they're trying to achieve. First of all, do we agree with what they're trying to achieve? That's the first thing I think that is important to look at because if there's disagreement in what we're trying to achieve, for example, maybe they're trying to say, okay, our intent is to collect as much power for ourselves, as much power, wealth, value as we can for ourselves and screw everyone else. And our intent is like, hang on a second, I don't agree with that. I think everyone should have equal power, wealth or whatever. Or no, it should be based on how much value they provide to society or whatever, whatever you want. As long, if there's a disagreement there, then I'm like, that's your first step. That's going to be difficult in terms of having global control. I think that you're going to run into a lot of issues. Then the second step is, okay, say we do have the same intent. We're trying to save energy. What would you call it? Um, renewables. Uh, oh, sustainable energy. Sustainable energy. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Climate control, all that, all that kind of stuff say okay our we agree we are wasting energy how do we solve this problem and what the global control the centralized control comes up with you're like hang on a second i don't agree with how you've come up with that but i still have to follow what you're saying like even if they even if what they're saying is um, false even if what they're saying doesn't make any sense even if it's illogical just because you are the global you are the decision making source we have to now go along with you. Okay, so say that again. So we've got a collective goal to create sustainable energy, but the difference is you don't get to decide how to uh, achieve that, I guess. Let's, let's, let's stick to, okay, let's look at the first, I don't know, what do you want to call it, pillar, is do we agree on the outcome? Do we have the same intent? Yeah, so like, uh, so, okay, the first question is before you start to govern something, is the outcome, is the outcome that we're trying to achieve by putting governance in place um, uh, collectively agreed upon. Is there some consensus on that? Yes. Yep. Yep. 
And so I think that's the first thing when you're looking, when, you, when you're talking about local control, it's the individual themselves. So you'd think that have a pretty good idea. Some people maybe not. And that's where I think you can have the discussion of, okay, the people that maybe have mental issues that can't really decide for themselves or don't understand how to get what they want, then maybe you can talk about maybe someone else can help and look after them. Maybe control can come from somewhere outside of them. But I think for... Again, that's that in itself is a big discussion, but I think for the majority of us, yeah, just we each know what it is that we want, what outcome we're looking for. And if we're going to allow someone else to control us, or if we're going to say someone else has power over us, we have to first agree that we want the same outcome. Yeah. So I think what you're sort of highlighting here is the messy part of trying to achieve a, some kind of level of, of uh, global governance. Because at what point do you then have the input from uh, from the local level in order to have an agreement on the framework of global of whatever that global governance is? And so, yeah, that is messy to try and get uh, people uh, not only a, a collectively on a common goal, but then if you've got that goal, then there might be different paths to get to that goal. And how do you go about deciding who gets to have input to those different paths? So I can imagine with a sustainable energy one, it's it's really interesting in that um, I think maybe the outcome is what we try to collectively see if we agree upon. But then when that outcome's decided upon, who do you get to then provide the solutions? And I would say that you would be looking for professionals in those in those fields to help guide that that path um, because the knowledge of an individual wouldn't know how to make the best decisions around how to achieve sustainable energy. They probably wouldn't have the knowledge. So it's a really, it's a really tricky, I think this is where we have the, the, the biggest problems is how do we navigate a space where we're trying to achieve what everyone wants to have as an outcome, but then how do we make a definitive decision if everyone doesn't agree on that outcome or to get to that outcome? How do we come to some kind of resolution at that point? Or do we just do nothing? And so that is the, the tricky part to navigate, I, I feel. Well, that's the thing. Even if we don't agree, do we have to? Do we have to have some kind of centralized, globalized control over this specific matter? Or can we just say from an individual level, okay, let's all take care of the environment around us and then it will sort itself out? With the renewable energies and uh, sustainable energies, I think even, I think we're, we're stuck on that first step. So again, the two steps as I see it so far, and there might be more, I haven't really thought through it. This is just off the top of my head right now. So the first thing is agreeing on the outcome, agreeing on what we want. And then the second step would be agreeing on the approach to get that outcome. I think we're in terms of renewable energies and sustainable energy, sustainable, whatever that we are actually disagreeing even on the outcome at this point because what is it that we want? Do we want to reduce the amount of um, carbon emissions that we are putting out or do we want to, uh, at the cost of um, some, what do you call them? Not amenities, some luxuries that we have, for example, having lights, having heat, or do we want to have sustainable energy but maintain a certain level of comfort a certain level of what we have a certain you know because if you just take away all the electricity that we use right now you can live that way but do you want to live that way is it worth trying to you know getting rid of all, all the sources of energy we have in order to live a less quality of life 
Or is there a quality of life that we're trying to maintain whilst doing this? Like what is your limitations on the way to getting that outcome? Yeah, uh, and it never gets put broadly enough, I feel, uh, the question, uh, these kind of questions. So I think what you're sort of highlighting here is even if we agree on sustainable energy, there's two parts to um, how sustainable energy is achieved. One part is about how much energy you actually use um so what what are the comfort levels for each individual so you know some individual might want to just have you know like their lights turned off throughout their house and they only have one room on another person want to you know might want to have like artistic leds everywhere or whatever so you know what is the comfort level people are willing to to uh have um and then uh once we get that uh comfort level uh what uh, sources of energy do we actually use and I guess even sources of energy is a debate because I always find this is a tricky one where technology pushes us forward to to save some kind of resource or save energy or, or save something in some way but then there's a capital in order to get to that technology to realize that technology and that capital comes at a cost and so I think that's something that's will be interesting about renew renewable energy so for instance electric cars seems all great but uh do we really know what infrastructure is actually required and the materials required in order for everyone to convert their petrol car to a electric car and is that trade-off that capital trade-off to switch that technology is it worth it or is there other ways in which we can uh, look at that so some people might even say well rather than making everyone have electric cars should we look at uh, uh, people, you know, tra- um, uh, people doing travel uh, more together? So there's a, a lot of argument about having really good public infrastructure because one train carrying, you know, a thousand people or whatever is a much more efficient outcome than it is to have a thousand people drive the roads each in the individual cars. So there's a whole range of yeah decisions that make it hard for us to collectively agree and. Um, yeah, at what points do you get that local, that input at the local level uh, to help drive a collective uh, vision, I guess? Yeah, that, that capital cost is a big part of it, but also the cost over the lifetime. We don't necessarily think, okay, what about 20, 30 years down the road? What happens then? What happens when you have to dispose of these components that are now very hazardous, you know, that you got to get rid of? Maybe there is another way that you can do it instead of switching everyone to electric cars. Maybe, okay, everyone just... You can't buy five, ten different cars. You've got to stick to one car for over a prolonged period of time. And that actually reduces emissions far more than switching everyone to electric. Like, yeah, when you look deeper, when you when you scratch below the surface, when you go under the skin, <laughs> you realize that there's a lot more depth to it, a lot more nuance, a lot more that isn't actually taken into consideration. Like a lot of these one-sentence slogans or whatever that you hear they don't cover nearly enough to actually give you a, a an approach or give you a outcome that is actually achieving what it says it's going to achieve. Yeah, it's kind of like every, it's it's similar. Yeah, that, 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 that's a really interesting human problem. It's similar when people first find an answer to something too. They do a similar thing. So, you know, uh, they see something as a problem. They find the first answer that makes sense to them. Then they set their sails on that answer without any any further investigation, and yeah, I guess uh, as the as we've set up like a capitalistic environment, and as we have businesses in there, 
um, once they find a solution that someone else doesn't have, even if it's not considered the best, they're going to drive that if they see that there's uh, ac- business activity uh, that can be created from that. So, And it might not be the best solution, but it's uh, one in which they can see others will, will uptake. And, um, yeah, even just like you said, I mean, yeah, just what materials you do have, but like you said before is then what do you do with the materials afterwards? So, like... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether electric cars become disposable because of uh, the battery, like our phones are. So you remember mobile phones, you used to be able to swap your batteries out. Um, you used to be able to just, you know, spend $30, get a new battery, have your old mobile phone up and running. Today's technology makes it very difficult. You can still do it as a professional, but you do need a professional to take that phone apart, pull the battery out. In some cases, I believe you have to solder that battery out, solder in a new battery, um and so people are more inclined to throw that phone away um so yeah managing the life cycle of materials is definitely something that's that's very interesting and doesn't get taken into account throughout a lot of these decisions i think i think that's that's one of our biggest mistakes i guess is that we've set up an environment which we uh um We've set up a really good environment for us to continually grow, I guess, grow at a rapid pace. But then how do we – we haven't got really good checks and balances to, to maintain um, certain things. So we're always looking to – you know, so like you said about that, <laughs> like you, I feel like often we turn to technology to solve something that we want to indulge in rather than looking in the indulgence that we have and cutting back on that. So a little bit like you were saying before is, you know uh, – we need a certain, like, what was it? 10 cars. So do you really need the 10 cars, you know, and all the materials that get taken to that? And then after those 10 cars, uh, you don't want to dispose of them. And then what happens to those materials? Do you really need the 10 cars? Is that too indulgent? Or do we turn to technology? Oh, technology will solve, you know, if I have 10 cars, that's fine because technology is going to solve the uh, missions that I put into the environment and all the rest of it. So people kind of fool themselves that, sometimes I think that technology is the answer because they're trying to avoid something that they don't want to um, uh, sort of have control over that indulgence themselves. Yeah. I always think you should first be peace at peace, comfortable with nothing (laughs) with the environment. Once you get yourself to that point where you understand that that's when you can start looking at things and indulging in them, because at that point it's like, you're no longer reliant on it. It's no longer like I'm, yeah you're no longer looking for that fix for that piece of technology for that consumer good or whatever it is it's like oh this this makes life better so you appreciate it you use it but then if something comes along if it's unsustainable in order to maintain that you're like okay i'll let it go i don't actually need it this is just a benefit and i feel we appreciate things more when we when we don't need them but we haven't when we realize we don't need it if you feel like you're always needing something well, then you're not really appreciating it. But if you feel like, oh, this is just a benefit over on, this is just on top of what I already had. It's like, it's icing on the cake. How cool is that? Whereas it's like, no, I need this. I need this TV. I need this new article of clothing. I need these new pair of shoes, whatever it is. It's like. Yeah, you're right. Like we, and the environment in which we currently, op- currently operate, I think we're always looking what we don't have rather than actually what we do have. Um, you know, the whole meeting, uh, keeping up with the Joneses is, is a classic case of that. And I think uh, as a society, I don't know what, uh, you know, third world countries are, but I do feel that as a sort of first world countries, that's something that we take for granted. Like 
I even think of this sometimes, you know, you sort of go for a country drive and you see the sheep or horse or, or cows out in the paddock and you realise if, if I had to go and sit in that paddock and sleep in the paddock for a week, how weak we actually are. And uh, part of that weakness is obviously we've built tools to, to shelter ourselves and to um, help, help make an easier life, but we don't really appreciate just even the house and heating we actually have. It's like taken for second nature but like you said once you realize that oh well like all i need to do is walk inside and i'm warm and you appreciate that it, it just makes life much easier because your expectations are not set to astronomical levels that uh you know in some cases are completely unachievable and uh and if you can't get that expectation then the whole your whole life is ruined um so yeah i would i would definitely agree is that um you know uh, learning how to be at peace with having minimal is uh, is your first step to having a society that is a f- is thoughtful about the decisions it makes. That's that's something I don't think we we do at all. It's really we're not thoughtful about many of our decisions. They're just so rash and they're so obnoxious in some cases, and it just doesn't take into account. Um, factors that need to be taken into account and when it does it's interesting i kind of wonder like these um you know if we, if we think about uh, energy and you, you know you're doing another energy plant and you have to take out an area that's actually um and in, you know it's completely unbuilt so it's like uh, uh, bushland or whatever you need to take away you know environmental reporting is almost like that's the path you need to manipulate in order to get that approval rather than this is uh, if you can't respect these, then it's really not uh, determined valuable to build it. So I feel like a lot of – we try to put these things in place in our current system because our current the way our current system works, it's almost like, okay, these are the rules I need to get around in order to get the desired outcome and they're not really respected to what the value of those rules actually bring. I agree with a lot of what you said that you said a lot. <laughs> the main thing in trying to like sum up all of that is that the system is set up in such a way that uh, it drives us to be unappreciative of stuff. It's always trying to push us to have more, to think faster, to make more rash decisions because of the way that it's set up. If you act against that, it's it's difficult to get ahead in that system. You have to actually break out of it. Like you have to, I can't think at the moment, but that's the, the general where, where it's coming from. Man, you said a lot. You like, I'm trying to recall everything that you said to cover Sorry. it again. So I'm just going to, I'm going to move on. All right. We're going to get back with stuff from local and global. I'm just going to, no, 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 it was good. It was a really good thing, but let's get back to local and global somehow. One thing actually I will bring up before I get onto that in terms of like we just throw away things now. Whatever happened to that, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. The idea that the first thing you try and do is reduce your consumption. Then if you can't do that, you try and reuse it in some other way. Then if you can't do that, you recycle it. And then like the last option is, okay, now you can't do anything else with it. Now you can waste it. What happened to that? I don't know. All my life I felt, well, not all my life, but all my sort of older life, I felt a significant amount of anxiety for this um, because, yeah, often I have things that uh, are reusable, but I just don't know where to take them. And uh, maybe I think why that has fallen off is because uh, the way in which recycling was promoted doesn't actually 
seem to be working that way properly. And so people have lost confidence and also lack of education. Do you know what to put in your recycling bin? No. I'm the same. <laughs> that is, yeah, that drives me crazy looking at a bottle and then having that number on the bottom. It's like, can I recycle this? I don't know. And then you look it up online. It's like, well, we don't even know if, if you can recycle it or not. I feel like the whole, again, reduce, reuse, recycle, it was a good idea that someone was like, hey, that's that's a great idea. And then they stopped there. It wasn't like, okay, how do we actually implement this? It was like, no, it's a good idea. That's enough. Like it seems like a lot of things nowadays are, hey, that's a good idea. Let's move on to another idea. Yeah, it almost gets people, I mean, <laughs> that feels like the election cycle. <laughs> so basically it's about whoever provides the greatest ideas and then after that, no one, it, it, yeah, half of them don't get executed. No one, no one keeps them accountable to those decisions being made. Um, yeah, all sorts of all sorts of issues start to unfold. But you're right. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a good idea is what gets you into the game, and uh, following through on that idea is never kind of almost not checked. Yeah, there's no follow through. There's no let's look up. Did they actually do this? Did they? And then sometimes maybe you'll do you will execute on an idea, but it will turn out poorly and instead of saying ah oh, let's try and fix it it's like now let's scrap it and go with a new idea it's like maybe you just you need to try it a different way but anyway <laughs> no yeah so so i'm going to ask you something actually like um i know you've probably got a, a few things on, on your mind but okay so considering our current environment does it set us up well to navigate that that balance between having local and global control or or does it um, – so one of the things I wonder is that um, at times, I guess, as a society, we fluctuate between the two. And some nations obviously are, you know, almost to the point of full sort of global power where they control their citizens to the nth degree and other countries uh, appear to be a lot more freer. Um, but do you feel that there's a shift in, in, in one towards – towards one or the other and if so do you think that's a result of our system or is there some other factors at play of you know if we see that spectrum ideally we probably want to be sort of somewhere in the center where you're getting some input but you don't get full control of the input and then we're getting some global controls that help us um, get to some expectations we want collectively um so yeah i don't know i think you very aptly put it that some countries appear to be freer because appearance seems to be the way it is, especially after the last couple of years. That's how it feels. Um, where to begin with this? So I think the way I see it and the reason... I, I like the idea of global control. And this, I mean, local control, sorry, not, not global. And the, the reason I wanted to do this topic is actually... It, it's from a long time ago, this kind of thought came in my mind and it was back in uni. So that was maybe like six, seven years ago when we learned about swarm behavior. And anyone who doesn't know about swarm behavior, I highly recommend go and look it up. Just watch a video on YouTube or something. There'll be really cool examples. It's basically, if you think of like ants or bees, the idea is that each individual ant, each individual bee, they make their own decisions. There, most of them, there are specific roles, like there are like worker ants, there are um, queen ant that have specific uh, functions within the, in the, um, society community population whatever the word would be but for the majority of it they all have just this simple rule set that they operate on and they only interact with their local environment so no one's sending them or calling them via 
cell phone telling them, hey, worker ant, go over here. There's food over here. No, the way it works is that they each individually just walk around the environment. At some point, I'm talking about ants here. At some point, one of them will run across some food. It will start taking that food back to the uh, nest. As it goes back and forth, it's leaving these pheromones. It's creating a trail. As it goes back and forth, that trail gets uh, stronger and stronger. More ants will run into it just randomly, hit that pheromone trail and go, hey, this is a pretty strong trail. And they'll start following it back and forth. And pretty soon you've got a line of ants running down your hallway trying to get from one end to the other because there might be food there or something. But that's like how they work. And no one told them to do that. No one said to the ants, hey, all you ants, go here, grab that food. It's all based on them interacting with their local environment. And... If you look at ants and you look at the structures that they make, like if you've ever seen, you know, how they've got like glass plates and then you see all the paths that they make and the uh, tunnels that they, they make, all that again is based off of local behavior that each individual ant is interacting with their environment. No one's telling them how to do that. No one's telling them put a school here, put a hospital here, whatever. It's all just interacting with their own environment based on a similar rule set and what I'm trying to get at here is even with that simple control structure, each individual person sensing their local environment, interacting with their local environment, even that can result in really complex behavior when you zoom out and you look at it from like the, the group level. And so what I'm trying to say here with humans is a lot of the time I feel that we desire globalized control because we are there's a certain level of uncertainty in saying that each individual go about and interact with the environment based off of, you know, your own principles or a collective set of principles that we all have. I think that's the key that's missing. And that's the reason we don't do it is that we don't have a collective set of principles. I think if we did, it'd be a lot easier to have localized control. But I think once again, the main thing is that we currently desire this globalized control or we look to this globalized control because there's a certain false sense of, uh, certainty in it like we we think that oh they have an understanding of all the pieces on the chessboard they know what to do with that and again they have the same intent as us or they desire the same outcome as us which may not necessarily be true whereas if we can get to this point where we trust each other enough we have this comfort with uncertainty to say yes let each individual make their own decisions and then we just let it happen and then after that zoom out you'll see this complex behavior start to emerge without anyone centralized any central planning nothing i mean if you go back in time and you look at the history of money and how like gold was chosen to be the to be money it's it's naturally emergent it isn't and no one dictated that gold should be used as money it's just naturally emergent because people were interacting with their environment and they figured that oh this is the best way to do it and then it eventually spreads you zoom out and you see okay now everyone's using gold yeah it's it's um it's pretty interesting. I think the ants is a is a is a good example. I do believe that we have a desire uh, for that uh, global governance, and I believe that's probably something evolutionary or biologically, uh, because we are pack. I, I, I do believe we're pack creatures. So I kind of wonder, you know, like a let me think of. I'm trying to think of a really solo creature. I think shark. Oh, maybe not all sharks, but possibly like a shark is a is a a solo creature. It's a predator. It basically doesn't care too much maybe about its 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 peers. It's after food, and it will make its own decisions. And it's got the I guess the biology 
biologic um, makeup in order to do those. So whereas fish or birds or, or ants or humans I would put in that category are, are pack animals. So we're always looking to others to see um, how, we, how we survive, I guess. But I think what's needing what you were saying there is that if you use the ant analogy um, and it's hard to really understand exactly what the answer, how they're communicating or what they're doing in that point in time. But I think what's, what you, I guess, highlighting there to me was that um, biologically those ants, I guess, when they're born or whatever, they kind of know their role internally. There's, there's a biological makeup that they've got everything inside and they know their role. And so left to their own natural devices, they will do what, is best to, for themselves but also their community. So like you said there is each, you know, some of them have got roles. So obviously the queen was born a queen. Uh, the the soldiers were born, I guess, soldier. I don't know if someone determines that or whatever. But I guess once they have that role, they sort of naturally know, okay, this is what my role is to do and therefore uh, I just follow that intuition to, to, to get the solution. And I guess maybe in the current environment that, that freedom for each individual is not really there. We don't, it seems like we are not secure enough, uh, whether that's mentally or, or other forms to allow that to that level of uncertainty to occur. Um, and so we keep putting more and more rules on to try and, and control our environment. And it keeps going in, I guess, in an opposite direction where uh, each individual is now more and more constrained to, to make their own decisions that, in hindsight, given freedom would probably, uh, for most individuals, would probably make a, a, a good decision not only for themselves, for others. And so if you constrain them in those situations and they're unable to contribute and then it's almost like a segregation um, where people aren't able to contribute to their own outcomes and so therefore you're not getting the natural value from each individual. Yeah, the thing with the ants as well is to consider is that like you said, they, they are born with this intuition. This is how I interact with my environment. I mean, we don't know this for sure, but it's unlikely that they're thinking, oh, the way I'm behaving is going to benefit the community, is going to benefit everyone in the ant colony. Colony, that's the word. <laughs> I don't, we don't know for sure again, but we don't know that that's, or I don't think that they're thinking that the way I'm acting, the way I'm interacting with my environment is going to benefit the colony. It just naturally emerges that that benefits the colony because that's how it survives. Like if you look at um, evolution, you would assume that, okay, whatever actions, however, whatever way that these creatures act that will maintain their survival across time, that is what will um, carry out, That will that's what it will evolve. And so similarly with humans, and yeah, we do need to cooperate, but that's just an emergent behavior that will happen, that cooperation, because the ones that don't, the ones that go out on their own, the ones that try and um, cause trouble within the group, they won't survive over time. And so the, the, the ones that act based on their own impulses, intuitions that will survive over time actually do benefit other people. And I think when thinking about it, when you were talking I think what, what goes on is that um, we, we don't have that trust in other people that they will, that the way that they will act will benefit others. We think that they'll be selfish, but they'll be selfish in a way that is at a cost to other people. Like, again, we can have a conversation about this another time about is selfishness actually bad and does it, 
always come at a cost to others. I don't think it does. But what I'm saying here is that we are presented with the worst of people the majority of the time. Turn on the news. At least 90% of what that news is telling you is that people are horrible. People make bad decisions. People hurt one another. People are trying to kill you. People are trying to... It's putting this seed in our mind that, okay, if we allow someone else to make their own decisions, they're going to make a decision that comes at a cost to me. When that, I don't think is necessarily true. I don't think people inherently are attempting to hurt people. People left to their own devices, left to make their own decisions. As long as they're not um, vying for survival, as long as they have enough food, as long as they have a shelter, whatever, I don't think their actions are, even if selfish, are to spite someone else, are to hurt someone else. And I think that's the biggest problem and that's the reason we are looking to global and I think that's the reason people are going more and more to centralized authority is that we are, uh, we are, whether through intentionally or unintentionally, we are starting to see people as malevolent, as evil, as they will pick, they will choose to act in a way that will harm me unless someone else with authority and power tells them how to act. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot with that. And uh, the first thing that now comes into mind is that uh, you, you know, playing a bit of a devil advocate, at what point do you allow that uh, individual at what at, at what point do you allow some global governance come in or if any so you know I think if I think about history and, and there's probably two sides to this I think uh, you know people in power have obviously gone in power by um, uh, forcing their vision on others and and maybe once they succeed that vision everyone around them uh, feels elated because they saw someone uh, take control of of something in front of them but then other other parts could be that uh you know you could get you know one one person in a massive group of people that is uh you know ruthless that uh, uh doesn't think about others and then uh if everyone's to defend them for themselves how do you do that uh at, at a level do you allow that to play out locally and because uh, i i agree i agree you've pinpointed where the fear resides the fear resides, like you said, is, oh, if we just let people to do um, everything that they want to do, how do I uh, ensure my own safety? And that that is definitely the biggest fear. And I don't think it's a it's a fear without some kind of um, it, that's not completely not warranted. I think there is something to be warranted there. So I guess maybe thinking about what you're saying there, when would you think that a situation would occur where you have to have? So it seems like. And we probably agree. We want to try and default more to people having local control, or local governance over themselves, and all the rest of it, or within smaller groups of themselves. Um, but then, at what point do you then introduce some kind of global control in order to, yeah, get a, a, a desirable outcome? I guess this is where I would come back to what we were saying at the start: the distance from what is controlling to controlled. I think the distance is too great at the moment. You have one person or a small collective of people that decide for an entire state, an entire country. I think that is too broad. Whereas if you have smaller groups of people, and I'll say here, um, have you heard of Dunbar's number? All right, so I'll read out what it, what it is. Dunbar's number is a suggested cognitive limit to the number of people with whom one can maintain stable social relationships relationships in which an individual knows who each person is and how each person relates to every other person and the number is 150 people 
So again, going back to, okay, how much does the person who's making the decision understand about the people who are having to execute on the decision who are affected by the decision? I think if you have a small enough group where you can have, again, Dunbar's number, if you have 150 people call that a tribe, then you understand people enough that if one person is acting up, if one person out of that or two people or three is hurting other people, we understand each other enough to say, okay, we're going to give this person authority to uh, enact power over them to say how they can act, how they can't act. But yeah, I guess that is like, we look at that now and that would be localized control compared to the structure that we currently have, which would be more globalized. But if we were to say that, okay, the tribe is the global and the local is the individual, then it would be okay, I think, to shift more power to the global side because you'd have like a chief or a leader that everyone knows, everyone interacts with. And so when you have that, like this person you'd expect, they want people to appreciate them. They want to have that holding, that that position. They want to be looked up to. And so they're not going to act against the tribe. They're not going to act against the group. They know everyone. They know what everyone wants. So they're going to, the decisions that they make, even though they're telling other people possibly how to act, they're going to try and benefit those people as well. Yeah, so uh, I'd never heard of that number, but it makes complete sense that we, yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we've had to try and adopt to as humans is this rapid pace of being able to, uh, you know, well, maybe not know, but being connected to to significant amount of people more than we were probably designed for. So like, you know, having that tribe of 100, 150 is where I guess our limits are. And then, you know, people having, I don't know what they have on Twitter followers and all the rest having 2 million of them. I mean, obviously there's an, you know, they're not tangibly connected to all those, but um, having the, that individual that has those followers understanding that their actions is actually being uh, watched and perceived or, or, or maybe even followed by their, their followers is, uh, I can imagine <laughs> if you took that seriously, it could be quite uh, anxiety inducing. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that yeah, as as that that seems a reasonable level, then I guess how would you deal with a situation like so we've you know as we've globalized, we understand we're actually on a planet, and that planet seems to be quite unique and um, uh, has a lot of things that a lot of syst- natural systems in place in order for us to to keep the life on the planet that we currently do. How do you see if we were ever to think about like even like even not just making decisions but monitoring say the oceans at a global level or monitoring landscapes at a global level, how do you see that that would occur uh, while maintaining that local power, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> this, is, this is where it's like there's a level of uncertainty and you have to be comfortable with that level of uncertainty. You have to believe that people, if, if we are at a basic needs are taken care of, and we have the time to think we're not pressured to make rash decisions if we've got time to think that we're not going to destroy our environment that yeah i don't know i can't like i can't answer that that's something that but i'm not worried about that i don't think that i think that if you allow you need to change the way the system is set up that it doesn't benefit people who or it doesn't necessarily benefit people, or that the people doing this aren't protected if it fails. I think that's a big issue is that people who make bad decisions, too big to fail, like companies that make bad decisions that ruin other people's lives, that take suck value from other people and contribute nothing to society. When they fail, they're bailed out 
that doesn't make any sense. You need to set up the system so that when people are acting against reality, when people are acting against the benefits or, of everyone, they need to be allowed to fail. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of agree. So on one, uh, so one thing I just want to just go back to you about is, so you have a lot of confidence in that uh, desirable global outcomes would a cap it would emerge just by allowing individuals to uh, somewhat have that intuition in their smaller groups. So you would hope that uh, basically each of those sort of social structures build similar foundations with respect to the environment in which they're living in and that collectively because each group would have that internal drive uh, from birth or, or whatever that they would then emerge, the emergent behaviour would be that it would happen at a global level without anyone necessarily uh, uh, intervening or having some level of control. Yeah. I'm a little less sceptical um, because I don't... You're a little more sceptical. Oh, sorry, a little bit more sceptical only because I think that there's things that you see at a global level that if you don't put those pieces in place, you might not necessarily see. Now, in saying that, I would also say I would agree that I would lean more to the system side. I think that uh, I don't see that global control is necessarily a significant issue given that it operates within a particular system, whereas I think that the system which we currently operate means that global control doesn't get the desirable outcome for the individuals that, that it uh, looks to address and that's because the goals are the the goals are all screwed up. So, like, you know, I'm just sort of taking the limited knowledge I have uh, about the uh, 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 the American system. So you've got you know companies which can basically um, support global leaders. That that I don't think, you know. So each company is able to bring a significant amount of weight due to the financial or other powering aspects they have. And so they have a greater portion of control over the global power than each of the individuals. And so I think there's things in the system such as that which actually ruin its, ruins its outcome. I do think that humans are set up in a way in which we both have local control but that there is some benefits from having global control um, and I think there's a hierarchy of numbers. I think that humans could do this at a global level. I just think that we don't have the systems and the goals set up correctly. So at the moment, you know, like the stock market's goal is to make their investors money at every cost. So it doesn't, it's a, it's a legal requirement. It's almost at every cost as long as it's, you know, the, the process which they take under place is somewhat legal. And that's where it gets a little bit messy because you've got these companies that address their shareholders and their main uh, responsibility is to make those shareholders money. And the only thing in the way of uh, some of those companies to make that money is some of the regulations and rules which we've tried to agree upon through government. And what they'll end up doing is putting a, a big portion of money in to change that, that desire or goal in order to achieve their outcome to get their investors more money. So if you've got a system that does that and doesn't take in consideration of what each individual wants and puts a greater focus on individual companies, which are, which are, uh, are meant to at their highest level meant to get their investors return, then you can see where that global control is going to go. They're not going to listen to individuals that want certain things. 
they're going to remove the roadblocks in order to get the money to the investors to show continual growth. And so, yeah, I'm not sure I have more confidence about global power um, given the right system that it would operate in. Yeah. I agree with you. I think there is a place for more global control, but I also agree with you that you need to set up the system correctly in order to, to make use of that. And I think the system we've got currently is just completely busted. One of the things I would say that in such a system, it would have to be that wherever this global control is uh, is occurring, there has to be no benefit to the individuals that are making those decisions other than what benefits everyone. Like there should be no incentive for them to act in a way that goes against the benefits of the people that they are controlling or the whatever they are reigning over. I think that's a big issue that we've got, as you were saying, like they can be sponsored by big companies to do things in a certain way. Yeah, 100% correct. And everything, uh, whenever you come to election time, there are obviously some big uh, uh, standout points like, uh, you know, environment's often a, a big one that people will vote on or, or maybe uh, some other social, cultural things like I think same-sex marriage was at one point or, or people's liberties. Um, them dreams are often are often held up, but a lot of the time, if you remove those dreams, there everything boils down to people talking about economics. This is what we've spent in order to solve this problem. This is what we've made in after we've done this. And really, I don't think that's the language or the terms in which we should define uh, success at a, at a governing level, like you said. And I agree with that. That's a really good uh, guiding principle. I think is that yeah, at a governing level, it shouldn't benefit. It shouldn't be looking to benefit any individual. It should be looking at that sort of like the um, the outcome for everyone, I guess. Uh, you, you put it better before, I think. Yeah, it should be that the only benefit that the person making the decision can get benefits everyone, benefits the collective. And so, yeah, they can't get like a monetary incentive. They can get uh, praise from people. Like if they're doing a good job, that should be – that is, that's a fine incentive to want people to be happy with the way you're performing. That's a great incentive to have because that means you're going to be doing things that are making the collective happy. But yeah, to be able to get incentive from other places that are could come at a cost to the people that you're supposed to be governing over, looking after, that is a big issue to me. Yeah, and it gets the wrong people enrolled. Like I don't think political leaders are – it would be interesting to see studies on this or whatever, but um, – I feel like there's a lot of lack of empathy in 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 leaders and um, really representing the desire of, of the collective and and um, doing those co like you know whatever they say they try to follow through on if they've made a mistake they actually present that mistake to others um, you know and maybe I, I probably haven't made the link between empathy and what I'm saying there but to me empathy is always whenever you're doing something, you're thinking about how others, how it impacts others or how others, um, what it means for others and everything like that. So whenever these decisions are made, I don't think that they're looking at the collective when they do that. They're looking at individual elements that either impact them or someone close to them that will eventually impact them. So if it's a business, they know if we make this ruling or we make this decision, this business is going to do this against us and maybe we lose our votes or something like that. 
And so then it's just a war between these two parties rather than really what it's meant to be for is actually looking for a collective answer or collective guiding principles for, for, for everyone within that environment. Um, so, yeah, just the system now brings up these aggressive and defensive kind of uh, – and they're really good at it too, the way in which they can be defensive or aggressive and they manipulate speech in order to get desirable outcomes and everything – and so this, this system is really bringing out um, individuals that we probably don't want to be in charge. We want people that have some level of empathy, you know, and look at, you know, look at a society, look at its bottom run and figure out how to get that bottom run higher up rather than, you know, relying on the top run to keep them in control or in power, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And that sounds like a goal to strive for. I want to talk about a little bit where we think global control is better than local. And usually I, I am focused on more local, mainly because we see global control or centralized control all over the place. So it's like you tend to look at the opposite. You know, it draws your attention a bit more. It's, it's a bigger contrast. But there are places even when thinking about it and when thinking about this discussion where I was like, actually, it probably would be better to have some kind of overarching uh, body or group looking at this and planning it out instead of each individual for example you look at a road network now imagine if you had every single individual contributing to that road network you know nothing would connect that all be different you know standards so there are places like that roads um, cities but again i think it's most important to first of all make sure that we want the same outcome and then once we have that then it's like okay turn it over to the people who can take in all the all the um relative variables and figure out how to plan things out yeah i, I road road network's a really good one any any kind of infrastructure um yeah i, I would agree there's there's a lot of little uh, well not little there's a lot of big things that i think that we i guess it's where the it's uh even if you go back to that number of 100 150 people there's only a certain amount of things that they can achieve in that group by themselves and so there is a greater level of synergy the more people you put to it but then there's the complexity of organizing that and getting the outcome so you can sort of see you know uh the harder the problem comes it's almost like a probably like an exponential because not only does the problem become harder but the managing of uh, uh more and more people become also harder to get the collective outcome as well so i think it's you know it's a it's about setting the appropriate people the appropriate amount of people in order to help overcome uh, the problem at hand, and I guess that's really to what impact does it have? Uh, what what does this decision have? Who does it actually impact? So you think about that road network; it might impact a particular town. It may be bigger than that. It might impact a state, or it may be interstate. And I think at that level, that's when you obviously try and get different parties and people involved um and uh yeah and, and and even at a bigger level i mean you think about um like i was saying before just how would 150 people really understand uh the change of weather across the planet um if they were just left to their own devices i think they could only get certain you know a certain uh distance on that and that problem but if you put the whole globe together and you get each individual putting parts into that uh, that collective goal then you can do that and that is quite valuable but we just need to set the systems up accordingly so that like you said we agree 
on the outcome. And I guess also we agree on the cost to get that outcome because every outcome has some kind of cost, I guess. And so that you talk through those trade-offs and all the rest of it, which is kind of funny. I think that that's what the government system is trying to be, theoretically is trying to be set up to do. But I think that, um, um, yeah, maybe, maybe I think we've talked about this in other episodes. There's desirable outcomes of a, of a capitalistic system that we live again and then there's undesirable outcomes. And I feel that that capitalistic system's undesirable incomes has impacted our governing to a point where it, it's not working the way in which it should functionally. Are you saying like uh, you were saying before that um, money is the driving factor is that what you mean when you think that's yeah yeah so if you think about like i was sort of showing a bit of the cycle of how money and you know the government impacts certain regulations and rules which impact businesses which then they have a legal obligation to get their investors the most money so if you think about that system the central theme to that is this uh it's almost like a transfer of energy if you see money as energy it's transferring the energy across to some uh individual i guess or individual body if, if you're looking at an organization um and i think those kind of systems set up in place doesn't really allow the governing to occur the way it could do going back just quickly to tribes and when it's more appropriate possibly to use a global control over a local in terms of i'm saying a tribe here would be localized control uh, again up to 150 people I think when the actions of the local impact the broader environment. So say you've got like a tribe, a community that takes a certain um, bit of land, but the actions that they're doing, they're actually having an impact on land in another location. That's when you kind of need a globalized control that can take a look at all these different little tribes and say, okay, you're impacting the other, uh, other tribes let's let's figure out uh, how we can best operate so that everyone's needs are kind of met. Yeah, exactly right. And I think um, we were talking maybe a little bit before the show, which is I think land's actually a good one because you think about – it's a good one to describe the sort of the relationship between having local control and, and global control. So I think we've gone past the point of where, you know, we buy – well, in, in Australia anyway, other countries will vary on this, but – where you buy a parcel of land and I guess uh, you're dictated to, in a lot of ways, how you actually use that land. And to me, the freedom should be on the individual. And then then you sort of talk about, well, what, what are the rules and regulations to make everyone safe to come to that house? And I guess there is a bit of a discussion there, but then each person that enters the house is somewhat responsible as well. So, you know, if you don't see that the house is fit, then it's probably not a good place for you to go visit. And, uh, and that person that you would have visited might get some understanding of, the risk they're taking um, just by by that interaction between the community, but then at, 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 then if you have parcels of land, how do you then uh, create roads between those places? That becomes more of a global decision. So I think, um, yeah, I forget what you were initially saying. I was sort of going off on a tangent, but I think that really that that housing and land and all the rest of it, and then the infrastructure around it shows that balance between between the two. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good example where, yeah, each individual should have localized control over their parcel of land, but then the networks to get between the parcels of land, maybe that should be a globalized thing because it 
you know, you, you need someone who can take a broader picture, broader look at things and say, okay, these are, this is how each one connects to another. Yeah, I think so. And when I say control of land, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, obviously there's certain facilities like sewer pipes and all the rest of it that have to go under land. I'm talking about like uh, from from our, our perspective, it's like having new development zones that dictate to you the colour of the house, the, you know, the, uh, the type of fencing you use and all these other constraints that are put in you. And the reason they're doing that is really to have a standard style in which they sell those homes on that land for others to come and buy. So really those, those controls put in place aren't really to benefit each individual. They're really to benefit the developers so that they can sell all the blocks of land they want to sell by having a particular style which they can advertise. So that shows you where that global control has gone too far. It's, it's, it's a global control to get a desired outcome for an individual organisation. It's killing self-expression as well because, yeah, you're forcing people to make your house look a certain way which makes everything just look uniform and the same and it ends up being like bland and boring. And at what point do people say, you know what, I don't want this anymore and then they go back to, oh, give me, give me like a fancy old school house with like marble out the front and, you know, flamingo statues in the front yard, something wacky. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, Mick, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Anything we didn't touch on? No, I think it was really interesting actually, but no, it's, um, it was a really good discussion and just I guess – showing what local and global control means and then figuring out, you know, uh, how it's applied in this day and age and what we would uh, probably try and improve on. Yeah, it was a bit of a, what do you call it, meander. We were just kind of walking around seeing what we could find. But I think we touched on some uh, interesting points. There's just a couple of things I want to mention before we go. So once again, I think one of the big issues people have with localised control is that I don't realise you can actually get complex behavior at a group level and once again highly recommend go and uh, check out a swarm behavior video ants or bees or i can't think there's plenty of other um, animals that do it but yeah check it out and you'll see that you can get quite complex uh, structures from really simple interactions with the environment even if we think about um, atoms like how atoms interact with one another. They're operating on a localized level. They're just, okay, depending on how many electrons you got or whatever. I, I'm not a chemist, so I don't know how this works. But yeah, they'll join together or they'll repel or whatever. And then if you look at cells in a human body, the cells are taking in their environment and they're saying, okay, given the environment that I'm presented with, I'm going to express in this way. Like no one's, there's no centralized control telling you this is how you make up a human body or a tree or an animal or whatever. It's just each individual cell has a set of rules, which is our DNA. And when it looks at the environment, what's around it, and it says, okay, build yourself in, in this way or manipulate yourself in this way. So once again, you can get really complex structures just from really simple localized control. And then the other thing that I want to mention again is that to me, it seems like your preference localized global is is dependent on how comfortable you are with uncertainty so when you when you are sitting there hoping for someone else to to tell you how to act or hoping for someone else to tell someone else how to act maybe take a look at yourself and go why is that why do i want someone else to control the actions of another person or myself yeah i definitely think the uncertainty things are okay yeah that's like the barometer mm. okay then my uh Supplemental song suggestion for today is Slave by Sess Crew. 
And my quote is, Sovereign is he who decides on the exception by Carl Schmidt. Thanks for joining us for this discussion. We'd love to hear your feedback about the topic we just discussed. As always, be well.